G'day, how you going? Welcome to episode number 34 of the Average Man Podcast. That was a 3 minute and 50 second song intro. I don't normally do that, but that song's sick, man, and had to have that outro played. I couldn't stop it. I just couldn't. I tried to press stop several times, and my finger wouldn't work properly, so we had to listen to the whole song. Sorry. Um, it's kind of episode number 34 slash 35. I did episode number 34 last week. Didn't. Uh, posted on any of my, my socials because I had a, some technical difficulties with the microphone. There's like a little filter inside the pop filter that I, that I use and that had somehow screwed itself loose and there was two components that were sitting inside my pop filter that were uh, like rattling around and um, when I listened back to it you could hear this like, horrible vibration continuously um, in the microphone for the whole podcast, man, the whole thing was like an hour, so pretty devo about that, so I, I did publish it, it's online, I've seen a few people have had to listen to it, but um, I kind of left it there as motivation to make sure I got onto it and redid this podcast, and then um, I'll, I'll pull that one down, and this will become episode 34, so if anybody went on there and listened to that, I apologise for the, 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 the technical difficulties on that one, I was heartbroken, it was not a bad, it was a pretty good podcast, I felt pretty good about it until I listened to it and heard the shitty the shitty um, audio, but um, moving on, episode number 34, uh, Average Man Podcast, Golden Rule, and I'd like to jump straight into my shout-outs, I would like to shout out to Two-Way Hire Services, Two-Way Hire Services uh, are your family-owned and operated two-way radio supplier, they ship throughout WA free of charge, so whether you need a portable handheld Radio, uh, CB for your vehicle or an antenna. Two-way hire services will keep you connected. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram or twhs.com.au. Uh, I would also like to shout out to Perth Hire. Perth Hire is the newest hire business in Western Australia, specialising in concrete and, and construction in the concrete and construction industry. Uh, they hire and sell concrete, cutting, drilling and grinding equipment to customers throughout WA. They service commercial customers and do-it-yourself home renovators. So anyone, anyone who needs to hire any, um, any of that gear can get in there and, and um, they'll look after you, mate. They're a family-owned and operated business and pride themselves on doing the little things to make your job easy. Check them out at www.hireperth.com.au, Facebook and Instagram also. Uh, I'd like to shout out to uh, my man, Captured by Carlos. He's a two-time... Uh, Average Man Podcast alumni. He's a local photographer who does landscapes, uh, commercial jobs, drone photos, small video edits. He's doing family portraits now. He's going to be hooking me up pretty soon. Waiting for that weather to chill off, chill out a little bit so we can get down to the park and get outside and not be sweating our boxes off while we're all dressed up for family photos. Uh, you check him out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. He's good for some daily inspiration, positivity and all that sort of stuff too. I uh, would also like to shout out to PCC Productions, the audiovisual specialists up here in the Pilbara. PCC are a company that thrives on making Headland an awesome place to live through live, uh, epic, of, epic live events and supporting local musicians. Uh, check them out, Facebook, Instagram, also, or www.pccproductions.com.au. Right. Um, as I said, this is a sort of a little bit of a redo of last week's podcast and I, it's, it's been a few weeks since people would have heard from me, anyone that actually gives a shit and listens and follows. Uh, it's been a few weeks, man, since you, since you would have heard anything from me. I was down in Perth a couple of weekends, well, a couple of weeks ago, so I skipped the podcast the weekend prior to that week as I was planning on doing one down in Perth, either from a hotel room or from the pub with a mate of mine. I, I 
I bet on the on my friend being keen to do the podcast with me, but he wasn't, so I kind of um, was left with, with my dick in my hand a little bit down there and didn't didn't get to pull one off. So then I got onto it uh, the weekend just gone, and that's when I had the faulty um, audio setup going on. So that's another one that's kind of missed. So I'm I'm a couple of weeks in the hole at the moment, uh, and uh, just sort of getting back into it and sort of trying to figure out what's worth talking about again from the last podcast and what is worth just letting go so but um there's plenty of stuff going on man anyway um and we'll just jump straight into it I'll, I'll start by talking about UFC 236 I was going to break this down uh, on the podcast down in Perth uh, and then obviously that didn't happen then last week's podcast I, talk, I spoke about it a little bit but I hadn't seen the event uh, as of yet and now that event's taking place and um, I can have a bit of a yarn about it, man. It was actually a really good, um, it was a really good event. It's UFC 236. It was a double uh, title fight headliner, <clears throat> uh, both for interim belts. So the main event was Max Holloway, who's the current featherweight champ, coming up to fight Dustin Poirier, who's the number one contender at lightweight. And basically, those boys are fighting for the interim belt while um, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, is sitting out for a few months. He's the, he's the dude that smoked Conor McGregor last year and uh, captured the lightweight belt. So he's the undisputed lightweight belt holder. But yeah, for reasons to, uh, involving that, that scuffle, that, that uh, in-cage, out-of-cage scuffle they had after the Conor McGregor fight, He's uh he's, was suspended for a certain amount of time and he's sitting out until his um boys who jumped in and, and were involved in that fight are able to fight in like November or something I think it is, so it's going to be a full year he's been out. So in the meantime they're doing an interim belt fight. As I said they got Max Holloway featherweight champ. He came up a lightweight, took on the number one contender Dustin Poirier and they man they put it on, five round back and forth war, really good fight. Um Dustin Poirier got the win, unanimous win. So he'll be fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov sort of later on this year, which is actually a really good brawl, really good uh, fight. I don't see him getting up over Nurmagomedov, but he could definitely knock the man out. He's a, he's a, he's a brawler and he throws down, and he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time, and he just got through Max Holloway, so his confidence is going to be through the roof. Good guy too, man. And basically with Max Holloway, it was a back-and-forth fight. Holloway threw a bit more volume, uh, kept coming, even though he was rocked multiple, multiple times, but... He's just too, he was too small, wasn't enough power, didn't have enough power, sort of. He's, they fought before at Featherweight, Dustin, it was Max Holloway's first fight in the UFC, and, and Dustin, Hollow, uh, Dustin Poirier uh, beat him in that fight, and then Dustin Poirier's moved up to lightweight, but he's he's developed into a full-blown, legit lightweight. He's a, quite a big guy, he's even big for the lightweight division, and he packs a real punch, man, and Holloway, who is big for Featherweight, just wasn't big enough for lightweight. He doesn't have that muscled frame sort of uh, about him. He's a wiry, volume striker kind of guy. And really, the problem was that he was throwing um, punches in bunches as he should and moving forward and keeping pressure on Poria. And Poria, he'd hit Poria three or four times. Poria would hit him once or twice and it would do damage and would rock him. And that was literally the story of the fight for, for, for um, five rounds. Back and forth between the two, except when Dustin was landing and connecting, he was doing damage, and, and Holloway just couldn't get uh, Poirier's respect, so he kind of got sort of beat down over the five rounds, even though he stayed there, he's got a heart of a line, and just kept kept fighting, kept coming forward, put on a really good show, but he was sort of kind of never going to win it, really, with the tools at hand. Um, so he probably needs to go back down to featherweight and hang out there for a few more years and, and clean that division out, you know, he's sort of... 
some consider him to be the best featherweight of all time. So that's not a bad title to have, not a bad division to stick around in and do a bit more work. And then as he gets a bit older, he's still a young guy, can possibly come up to lightweight and put a little bit more muscle and things on his frame when he's, when he's ready for it instead of rushing it and pushing it. Um, and the co-main event was an awesome fight, man. It was uh, another interim fight. So our man, uh, Robert Whitaker, who is current middleweight undif undisputed uh, champion, he was scheduled to fight in uh, Adelaide earlier in earlier this year, I believe. Either end of last year or earlier this year. I feel like it was earlier this year, maybe February. And um, had to pull out like the day before the fight. Had some serious issues in his with his stomach and some hernias and things like that. And doctors wouldn't clear him to fight. He's still not back from some operations and things. So he's had to sit out for a little while. Uh, so in the in the interim. Funnily enough, they, they've come up with an interim belt and uh, the guy who was scheduled to fight him in that fight that he pulled out of, the number one contender at middleweight, he fought the new up-and-comer who's a New Zealand cat, uh, Israel Adesanya, also known as the last style bender, who's a really, really interesting dude. I think I've spoken about him before on the podcast. He fought Anderson Silva recently. He's the new blood up-and-comer who's uh, making waves. He's kind of got his kind of earmarked by the UFC to be the next big thing, the next Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey style star. And he's got all the skills to, to, to um, materialise into that, and he sees himself in that same light as well. Really good self-marketing, well-spoken, good-looking kid, fights like a ninja. He's a, he's a stand-up specialist. He was a uh, Muay Thai kickboxer before he came over to MMA. Really worked his way up the ranks in some smaller promotions, learnt the wrestling side of things, more more like more sort of um, focusing on wrestling takedown and getting back up off the ground, obviously, uh, this late in his career. And he's still a young guy, but you can't learn wrestling unless you're George St. Pierre on the fly um, at, at a later stage in life. So, um, but... Yeah, basically, he took his time coming to the UFC. Had some decent fights in the meantime, and he's sort of proven himself uh, against some pretty hard competition in the UFC so far. So they gave him the interim fight against this Kelvin Gastelum, number one contender at middle middleweight. And man, did they put on a show! Kelvin Gastelum's a short, stubby kind of wrestler who can, who's got knockout power and moves really well. Good footwork and great cardio, and Stylebender, sort of a tall, skinny dude. Um, yeah, really, really good striking and was supposed to put on a bit of a striking clinic if he could stay on the feet, but it was a great back-and-forth stand-up battle. Kelvin Gaslin was hitting him with hooks, punches he didn't see coming, um, had him rocked a couple of times and ate everything that, that um, Stylebender threw at him. And this was sort of a really dangerous back-and-forth for the first... You know, it was really two rounds apiece leading into the fifth round. Um, they both had some success here and there. And uh, leading into the fifth round... It was um, a nail-biter, and, and Stylebender kind of just decided he was going to turn it on and um, managed to, to get Kelvin to fade a little bit in the fifth and really hurt him and poured it on him. The last minute of the fight was basically just a slaughter fest. Um, Stylebender just running away with it and landing shots at will on the exhausted and beat-up uh, Kelvin Gastelum, and just an absolute brilliant fight. We saw him come through adversity. He got, he, he got taken down. He got head kicked. He got hit with a wicked left hook that nearly put him out. He had to come back from all those things and get back on his feet. There was some even some slick jujitsu attacks from his back on the ground, throwing up leg triangles and shit. So he really showed us a full game against a really good uh, top contender at middleweight, which means he's the real deal. The hype is real. Not just a stand-up fighter that's going to get taken down and beaten up on the floor, which sometimes happens. 
Um, this kid's legit, man, and he's got all the tools in the toolbox. And also, like I said, uh, great marketing, and, and he's just really well-spoken. He's kind of going to be the next big thing. And this sets us up for a unification title fight against um, our man, Robert Whitaker. So it's a battle of the Anzacs, Australia versus New Zealand. Style Bender is New Zealand. He's Nigerian-born New Zealand, so he represents Nigeria and, uh, and uh, New Zealand. Robert Whitaker kind of represents us. He's a New Zealand-born Australian, so he represents New Zealand and Australia. But, man, it's, it's going to be a good fight. And Aussie versus Kiwi, uh, great style matchup as well. Neither, neither of them are, are grapplers. They're both stand-up fighters, so it should be a good battle on the feet. Uh, they are both complete martial all-round mixed martial artists, but definitely more uh, striking-based martial artists. Uh, Robbie with his footwork, cardio, punching power, really slick movement, and Style Bender just a magician on the feet. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, who can who can nut nut this one out. I, I kind of got my money on um, Whitaker, current champ, uh, current undisputed champ, and the Aussie. I think it's going to be again a five rounder, a war. I think that both guys are going to get in trouble at um, one time or another. But I just think that Robert Whitaker is. His heart and his toughness and his, his ability to find a way to win is sort of second to none. I mean, the man went five rounds with Joel Romero twice. And Romero's just a beast. I mean, just probably the scariest man, one of the scariest men in, in all of the UFC. And uh, Whitaker went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him twice now and managed to get the win both times. Both times injured also. And I just think that he's going to find a way to win against um, Stylebender. I think it'll be a good fight back and forth. And I don't think anyone loses any... Um, any, any points or any credit gaining a loss in this one so I'm really looking forward to that uh, they're going to do it in Australia most likely we'll just have to see how the next few months play out to see if I'm going to be able to find myself a seat over there um, somewhere no doubt Melbourne or uh, probably Melbourne or Sydney this will be and I'd say so let's just see how it goes I'm not going to say I'm going to go to it but, but it's definitely something in the back of my mind uh, I'll be seeing how things play out over the next few months so that was a great event. There's a few other good fights on the card too, but uh, the past is in the past, man. So we'll move right along. Um, a few other things I, I had to chat about going on in town lately. Uh, it's obviously Easter today. Not sure if I said that. Um, this is Friday the 19th, Easter, Good Friday. I've got the day off, so I've got a couple of days off. I've been working the last few weekends lately, so which is another reason it's been hard for me to do the podcasts on, on a Saturday or whatever. Um, trying to play catch up a little bit with a few other bits and pieces. So I've got three days off over the Easter long weekend, which I'm stoked about. Uh, working Monday. That's cool, man, because we've been to Broome recently. Uh, like I was at that course a couple of weeks ago down in Perth. I'm going to Bali next, not this Saturday, not tomorrow, but the Saturday after. So, you know, in a week's time, basically. So I've got plenty of time off coming up and, and, and recently behind me. So happy to, 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 to work through, um, sort of Monday and Anzac Day I'll go to the, I'll go down to the dawn service pay my respects and then shuffle myself on to work after that um, but yeah there's um, a few little things I suppose we've seen uh, at, around in the, the news and things like that I thought I'd have a bit of a chat about I noticed there's a bit of discussion around this new decision for uh, FIFO fly and fly out contractors for BHP to not be paid their uh, travel allowance whilst um, off shift anymore, traveling to, to remote BHP sites anymore. Um, there's been a few people with different opinions about it, and I guess I stand somewhere in the middle a little bit. I don't get paid for my travel, never have. 
and a lot of people don't, so I understand that point of view. Um, but at the same time, this comes hand in hand with the new um, regulations or the new act to do with like mental health in, in fly and fly out workers in that community, how they're trying to do things to alleviate some of the stress and tension and, and really address the mental health of fly and fly out workers and at the same time you're going to you know, take money out of a lot of their, their pockets which sort of seems a little bit counterintuitive to me straight off the bat. Um, one of the main things causes for stress and mental instability is, is money stresses and things like that so that, that's an interesting, um, it's an interesting timing for that revelation to come through if nothing else. Um, I also kind of think that BHP got pretty big pockets, so I don't see why they're. It seems a little unfair for them to be taking money out, out off guys that money that they've been counting on that they've been earning for for um you know x amount of years now. Um, obviously they've had several months notice with this new um sort of regulation coming in, but still, I mean, you're taking money out of people's pockets effectively. But I do understand the the argument as well that no one else, none of us, get paid for our time and. Guys that live up here and commit to the town and stay here, and they're not getting paid um, laha and uh, you know for their to travel time and those kinds of things. So there's a few different ways to look at the whole thing. Um, I guess it doesn't really bother me either way that much. I'm not a I'm not a FIFO contractor, and I don't care if they do get paid or not or don't get paid that at the end of the day. But it does. I do like to keep an eye on BHP when they're pulling money back from from people and things like that. And just see how the machine operates is always interesting to have a look at what they say and then what they do. Things like uh, local contractors, we will use local, local contractors, they push that really, uh, really big and then they quite often don't follow through with that at all or there's loopholes in what a local contractor actually is and things like that. So there's been said that, um, I've heard it said that local contractors should be businesses that pay rates in town here. So you've, you've got a business, you know, you actually grounded and established in this town. Um, a way to figure that out is do you pay rates here? Does your business pay rates here? You know, so rather than just coming in town, setting, buying, a, getting a rental somewhere, and, and and sort of setting up shop, working out of a small workshop and, and utes, and calling yourself local contractors and picking up contracts that then companies that have been ingrained, ingratiated in the town for you know twenty odd years, like the company I work for. And who, you know, that costs money to be in this town. It costs money to pay for those rates and all those insurances. And it costs money to to sit here through the hard times when there's no money and there's no food around at all. And, and, and um, to, to last through those periods and still be here standing when work starts picking up again, that costs money. Uh, and then to have a company come in town and be here for three months and call themselves local and get work, um, you know, food straight off your table, that's that's probably not the most honest um, business practice going around. So that's also an, an interesting, uh, um, just one of those things I like to, uh, you know, observe, I suppose. Just keep an eye on BHP, not like you can do anything about it, but you can keep an eye on them and see what they say, what they do, uh, how the two differ and things like that. It's always interesting to have those um, comparisons and, and opinions on board. But yeah, just some food for thought there. Uh, everybody who lives in this town knows the way it goes, knows how these, these things work. Um, yeah, you, there's a big sleeping giant in this, in this town and, and sometimes you feel like the foot could come down and squash the little guys at any moment. And sometimes does. 
But uh, yeah, that's the volatile situation that this town's sort of built upon. Um, and I noticed that they're also pushing a lot more fly-in-fly-out workers, probably most of them contractors, who they're not going to pay for travel time anymore because all the camps around town are full. They've got houses sitting all around this place that are kind of empty. So, I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a fly-in-fly-out mining sort of town, which is not what the people that live here and have set up here really want. We want it to be a town where we can raise families and kids and have good parks and education and, and shopping centres and cafes and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. And there's just not money being put, in, put into those side of things. There's really only what, a couple of good places to eat in the whole town. So, interesting, interesting things and um, things that well, nothing will ever change if people don't notice them, mention them, talk about them. You know, uh, and you've got to listen to both sides of the coin. You can't just just uh, have criticisms of people and companies and things like that. And then if uh, valid points are put towards you that you didn't understand or you didn't know about, just blank them out and say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm sticking with my point. You've got to listen to both sides of the coin. But that's one side of the coin. That's all I can do is offer my opinion on it, um, my observations on it. Uh, I guess from from the information and that I have. Uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't really know I was going to go down that track, but there you go. That's what podcasts are all about, talking shit in long form. So, uh, yeah, as I said, Easter Friday today, um, and I got up this morning, made sure I squeezed in my workout. I've been a little bit light on gym sessions lately. I've been sort of only getting one or two sessions in a week. Um, just been busy, busy, and then, you know, timing things with the kids. I was away in Perth, all that kind of stuff. Interrupted. Schedules make it hard to, to stay um, consistent sometimes, and it kills me, man. I think I went for, last week I went for one run and then went to the gym and hit the, the bag and stuff on the Saturday, and this week I went for one run and went to the gym this morning. I'll make sure I get myself down there tomorrow, so I guess it'll end up being three this week, two last week, but it kills me. When I'm not training, I'm just not the same same dude. If I'm not sleeping enough and I'm not training, I'm not the same guy, man. I'm I get frustrated and my motivation sort of dips down and then I start sort of getting pissed off and annoyed at myself for not being motivated and not being, and you know, I, I, I grill myself all day when I miss a session at the gym. I think, man, I really could have got my ass out of bed and got there this morning. There was no reason not to have gone and that shit pisses me off all day and stews on me until I get back down there and correct it. So I've got to stay consistent, eh? And this morning I woke up a little bit dusty. You know, work's been quite full on lately, so I've been having big days and, you know, sort of mentally as well as just physically there's a lot going on and um woke up this morning i was like man i need some uh, inspiration so, for a lack of a better word um that <laughs> i find that word just gets absolutely thrashed on podcasts and on uh, online and things like that but really it's, it's a it's the perfect word <laughs> for the situation um motivation inspiration whatever um i was looking for some inspiration this morning and um i was like yeah you know what i'm gonna do i want to go to the rocks instagram page flick through some of his posts, find the ones of him working out and or you know, just having a, a, a heart to heart with the camera and, and, and uh get myself pumped up for this gym session and that's exactly what I did mate. <clears throat> got the kids' food sorted out, jumped on the phone, had to flick through and um went to the rocks page and had a look at some of his stuff and how much of a beast that man is and he got me pumped up man. He got me really pumped up. There was a, a video of him on his Instagram T V, IGTV, just talking about him being back in his old where he used to live in, in Hawaii, sitting outside of the uh, the apartment block that he used to live in when he was broke ass back in the day, talking about you know his past and where he's came from, where he's come from, and um, talking about how every time he's back in these parts of Hawaii, he likes to travel around, see his old school and his old 
um, the apartment block and places he used to hang out, go visit his, his parents or grandparents, I think his grandparents, grave and things like that. And um, then he was just talking about, you know, for people who are in the struggle right now, you know, he's been there and come through the other side and you just got to keep on pushing, keep on working, keep on grinding and it was kind of that message that if you're in the hustle right now, you're in the struggle right now, you're in the grind right now, you got to keep working, keep pushing because on the other side is, is some sort of success. Some sort of, that uh, what you're chasing may not be exactly what you're chasing but some sort of um, success is on the other side of that hustle and that struggle, man. And it was like, that's, it was really, that coupled with the videos of him working out just, big beast of a man going hard in the gym really got me motivated and was, the, and was the push and the inspiration I needed this morning to get my day started right so thanks to the big man The Rock and he got me down there and got me pumping and um, felt good man and that's one of the reasons I love social media if you use it correctly it can really be a, a source of positivity and um, inspiration and motivation and all that kind of shit and education for you you know um, I've really backed off using Facebook a lot lately I use it because it's linked to my Facebook uh, my average man Facebook page uh, and Instagram account so I'll go on and I'll see who's interacting with me through the Instagram through the uh, Apple average man page I should say sorry and I'll also post all the episodes um, that I that I record and publish but I don't just flick through and scroll through like I used to you know and I haven't done that for a good sort of six months now which is which is good man like I think it's didn't feel good, doesn't feel healthy, it feels like you're wasting time, wasting brain cells. So I'll go on, I'll um, see if anyone's interacting with the average man page, um, I'll see who's interacting with my direct posts, family, family and friends and things and respond directly to those, to those people. And then I'll dip out. Um, I use my Instagram page a lot more because you can really set that up to be your personal, what you want to see, just positivity, you know. Um, Facebook, you more have friends and family and shit on there, and then it ends up being people you knew from school 15 years ago, and some guy you met once at a barbecue, and all this random shit, and see all the stuff that they unload onto there. Um, whereas Instagram is, you know, you got to go search people out a lot, a lot more specifically, and you can have a lot, and and a lot of the um, personalities and and athletes and stars and musicians and shit like that have accounts that they actually sort of use themselves it's more of a one-on-one -on -one personal feel to Instagram so you can have The Rock you can have Kevin Hart Joe Rogan um, you know Kelly Slater whoever the hell it is that you want you can, you can have these guys on there and they really talk directly to their to their support group and their fans and things like that um, you can have guys like entrepreneurs like Gary Vee on there guys coming out giving you actual practical advice for running businesses and entre entrepreneurship and and how to make moves on a day-to-day -day basis and guys like that just really you can really fill your feed with shit from a lot of smart positive motivated people if you're into science and stuff you can have scientists on there and um, you know you can have doctors PhD like personalities on there and shit who, who um, you know someone like um, uh, what's old mate's name right astrophysicist for people in a hurry Tyson um, oh what's his name going to kill me now they'll come back to that you can have these people who, who um, give you little nuggets of gold and people who have podcasts and then they link in with their Facebook page or you might learn about other people's podcasts through through the Instagram page you might learn about other people's podcasts through Instagram things like that you, you know and um, then you see the community of people say The Rock posts something and then there's a few guys that, that uh, quite often 
comment and things on, on his page and you go, who's that guy? You go check his page out and you find someone like C.T. Fletcher who's another animal out there doing the damn thing. And there's just so much opportunity to, to fill your feed with the right kind of people who are into the same things you're interested in. Someone like Adam Greentree who's an Australian guy, uh, bow hunter who basically travels the world bow hunting and just um, does a lot of... A lot of really cool shit and then very educational videos and things like that. You can follow someone like him and get into a new hobby, you know, and, and then expand out from his branch of friendships and contacts on there and get yourself deep immersed in the bow hunting world, shit like that. So that's what I really love about um, Instagram. It's much more tailored to your likes and, and, and your personality and you can have it filled with um, just positive vibes and positive people and shit like that. So... Um, uh, Instagram's definitely a, a better social media forum for me, um, personally. Um, yeah, so that got me going this morning. And speaking of Kevin Hart, um, he was on the Joe, Joe Rogan Experience of, uh, a couple of weeks back now, and it was um, it was great, man. Really positive, so motivated, so much energy. Guy doesn't stop moving. Like he uses his family time as downtime. That's his rest time, and he's just working. Every you know everything besides that's just work, hustle, hustle, hustle. Uh, gives back to his community and things like that too, man. And just a really good outlook on life. Uh, um, you can learn something from people like that who you have to put the hard work in. You have to have some sort of talent that you've developed by you know hours and hours, years and years of practice and the right mindset, positivity and that. But but you can really learn something from people like that who are outliers, man. There's something that they do that they do that other people. Um, there's certain things that those guys do that set them apart from the rest and you'll find that a lot of guys like that it's um, there's a lot of things in common that they do they, the crossover of traits that these guys have um, that help them lead towards success and things like that so you can really you can look at a handful of five six guys who, who, um, you, who you really um, respect and look up to and think what's the common denominators here and there's definitely going to be a handful of things you know their mindset the people they surround themselves with uh, work ethic doing something that you love I think is a huge one too you know it's going to be hard to be success successful in a job or an industry where you're not passionate and you don't love it it's going to be hard man because you've got to put in a lot of time and a lot of hours and you can get dra drained um, or burnt out doing that if it's not something that you really love so that's something I've been thinking about a lot more lately as I get older um, what do I love do I love what do I love? I know what I love and I know what I want to chase and it's um, sometimes hard because what you love doing may not be what's bringing in the bread so it's a hard one to do that's where I guess you got to have your job full-time job and um, you still have to enjoy your job otherwise you really need to get out straight away you enjoy your job and enjoy the challenges but having that hustle on the side man something that you love doing that you don't mind taking time out of your personal you know, personal time out to go and do because it's kind of recreational for you something like this podcast is to me man I love doing it I love doing it and I'll fit it in wherever I can and when I miss out on it it's normally because uh, you know day to day responsibilities sort of arise and I really need to give them all the all the um, you know well, I, there's things that I have obviously obligations that sometimes you just can't get away from them otherwise you're making other people pick up the slack here and there so that's the only time I really ever miss out on a minute drives me insane man I often say I'm going to do it tonight or I'll do it tomorrow night and it comes to the evenings and I'm not a night person man I'm up at 4 4.30 in the morning so it comes to 8.30 at night after the kids are in bed and I've had dinner and I sit on the couch and I'm falling asleep and I'm like I can't do a 
fucking podcast right now. Not with this kind of energy, man. I'll be bringing this, yeah, this flat, sleepy, dull energy. And I don't think that's really conducive to a good podcast. So sometimes I just have to bite the bullet and, and um, find another time to fit it in. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit today, hey. I suppose that's because I've gone off script. I had a bunch of shit written down, but it seems to be some of it's you know, a couple of weeks old now. Some of it I already covered on last week's podcast, so it feels funny going over it again. Um, but but I will go over one thing, actually, from, from the podcast from last week. Um, I said I uh, was going to catch up with my man. Uh, well, I didn't catch up with my man, Dan the Man, down in um, Perth last week. Uh, last week, week before, when I was supposed to do a podcast from Perth. And um, it would have been last week. And uh, he wasn't keen to do the podcast, which is fine. That's cool. We caught up with the beer, caught up at the pub, and had a beer anyway. And uh, sorry, I just need a drink. Getting some cotton mouth going on there. Um, yeah. And Dan's one of my oldest friends um, from, he actually is my oldest friend on this earth, mate. So uh, Dan and I met when I. I was living in Carrather, and he was living in Carrather, and I think, you know, five or six, around about that age. And then I moved, he moved away from Carrather first, I believe, and I moved away from Carrather. We were only little kids, so we kind of didn't really remember any of this. And then we met again uh, at sort of age 11, 12, probably 12, 13, uh, through the church my family went to, and his family went to growing up. So we met again, and sort of hit it off straight away, because of a similar age, and into skating and the same kind of shit like that and started hanging out again and then it was a couple of years into the friendship man when this picture uh, arose I think my mum might have showed it to me that of of me and Dan at my at my fifth or sixth birthday party in Caratha and I'm standing there holding my birthday cake and behind me is this little dude with this fucking shit-eating grin on his face standing in my in, in the photo at my fifth birthday party and I remember like taking this photo and going what the hell what the fuck and, and, and going down to Dan's house because he ended up living two doors down from me which is awesome having your best mate live that close to you going down to his house and going what what's this on on this photo here what are you doing in my fucking photo what are you doing on my birthday and he's like what the fuck what are you doing here and we were, our minds were blown man because we didn't know that we'd known each other in another, at, you know, at another stage of life we didn't know that we'd been friends when we were young kids man so just imagine when you're 14 finding out finding a photo of your current best mate who you thought you'd only known for a couple of years fucking at your fifth birthday party in another city fucking 1600 kilometres away it was, fucking blew my mind man Parents were like, oh yeah, you guys knew each other when we were kids. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I don't remember him. Did, were we really friends? Did you make me invite that kid to my birthday party, man? <laughs> I remember giving him shit about that. Always saying, I think you, know, I think my mum made me invite you, man. Hey, eh? look at the way you're standing off to the side there, like you're a little bit outside of the group and shit. Pretty sure that was a charity invite. But <laughs> yeah, but fucking there it was, man. He was there at my fifth birthday party, and um, we caught up again last week down the, down at um. Uh, Perth went to the Botanica because I was staying sort of near in in Loo there. Went to the Botanica for a couple of beers and I had my dinner there. Very disappointing dinner. Very disappointing. When you when you leave Headland and you go somewhere else, you go to a big flash pub like Botanica with all the bells and whistles and uh, expensive beer, and you get food that was just like shit. It was very disappointing. Anybody that lives in Headland, anybody that lives in Headland, knows that one of the the most exciting things about leaving Headland for a trip is 
is going to somewhere with good food. You go to Bali and you go and you eat out and you get good food. You go down to Perth and you eat out and you get good food. You go up to Broome and you eat out and you get good food. Two nights in a row I ate there and it was just shit. I had a uh, lamb shank and mash um, that I haven't had for years, which is always a big hearty meal, and it was like a fucking chewing an old shoe. It was taste good, to be fair, but it was like chewing an old shoe, and that shit should fall off the bone. If you have to use a knife with a lamb shank, fucking take it back, lose my number. Damn, that's not how that's supposed to go down. And the following night, I had uh, the curry, and I was like, man, I should have got the curry the first night round. I was looking at it, you know, they, should, they probably do a pretty good Vindaloo curry here. It's one of their specials. Got the Vindaloo curry the second night round, and it was lame. It was like a fucking packet thing, man. You know, I was just watery, shitty, just uh, very disappointing. Very disappointing. So, two, two shitty meals down there. Um, but anyway, I wasn't there for a fucking holiday. I was there for a course for work. I got a, yeah. I did. Uh, I did get something out of the course. I was down there for a couple of days. It was a good course. We got something out of it, so it was worth going down for. It was worth catching up with old old mate Daniel as well. Um, yeah. So um, apart from that, I think we're all caught up on the last couple of weeks. Um, I wanted to go over some media um, before I dip out of here. So. Obviously, the biggest one will be Game of Thrones, which aired uh, Monday evening, the first episode of episode eight, the final episode, one of six. Uh, episode one and two are going to be these um, about an hour long, and then all the, the following four episodes, I think they're, they're between 70 and 80 minutes, so about an hour and a half long sort of thing, an hour, hour and 20 long. Um, so... Pretty exciting, man. Pretty exciting. It's good for it to be back on. It was obviously a little bit of a, a, a recap, catching up type episode. There were a lot of people meeting each other for the first time and characters from the other series all congregating in one place sort of at the same time. So there was a lot of that kind of people who hadn't seen each other for seasons, uh, you know, for two or three seasons, all coming into contact with each other again. There's all sorts of underlying plots and currents and things there that are still ticking over uh, it was a little slow though and I've got to say I thought this and my wife thought this and then I heard someone else speaking about this on another podcast and they thought the same so uh, I wasn't imagining it but the graphics seemed a little bit subpar um, the dragons have always been really impressed with how good the dragons and the fight scenes with the dragons and, and Daenerys flying on the dragons and how good that's really looked. But it looked like special effects on this first episode. I don't know if there's some budget cuts going on or what's that all about, but uh, it had that look where, you know, um, especially in like the 80s and the 90s, man, like in... Um, movies with big special effects like that. It used to happen even when they were just on a boat or in a car or something. Like, you can see the defined line around the person's silhouette. Like, they look like they've been cut out and stuck on the background. Like, it used to be really bad in the 80s. There'd be someone, like, you know, flying on the back of the dragon, say, in, like, the never-ending story or something. And it's like this... It's completely cut out. And they're moving past a background that doesn't move. And, I mean, it wasn't that bad, obviously. It wasn't that um, prominent, but... It did look a bit like cut out, like you could see that weird outline around their silhouette. That uh, just it was. It, I noticed it anyway, and now I know that other people noticed it too. So I'm not sure what's going on with the 
the special effects here, but hopefully that they uh, have that the quality back there for these next few episodes coming up. We've been waiting for this shit for a long time. You don't rip us off now. But uh, it was good. Good that that's back on. And it's going to give me something to talk shit about for the next six weeks. Five weeks now, I suppose. Uh, what else, man? I watched a pretty good movie called Fury, which is on Netflix. It's Brad Pitt, uh, Shia LaBeouf, and the dude from Punisher. Uh, it's a war movie. And, I, you know, you've got to be pretty keen to sit down and watch another war movie. Another war movie. But um, these days because of all being done into the ground. But it was a different sort of take on it, which was cool. It was um, it was World War Two, and it was through the, the story, was was through the um, experiences of this tank crew, one small tank crew of, what was it, one, two, three, four, five guys. That was cool, man, because they were like, um, they'd been at war for obviously an extended, an extended period of time. Uh, back then, there was no media at the war. Maybe there was people, maybe there was people writing for newspapers or something, but there was no cameras and things, people reporting back to to um, the motherland, you know, on, on the regular. Um, so people were kind of becoming, would have probably, and in this movie they made them out to be uh, sort of becoming ferals, like they were a really hard group of people, you know, back in 1930-something, and you're away in a, at a, in a war for nine months, you know, with this one group of guys in this tank, just death everywhere you go like you become really hard and quite animalistic and pack like you know and they really had that essence of it captured really well uh, and Brad Pitt's always great you know so it was a good story uh, good storyline well really well done I liked it good good um, good action scenes and stuff as well but really a, a good drama based storyline running through the back, back background of it um, I watched The Dirt which is the Motley Crew. Um, story which was good man it was on Netflix also it's good it's a little bit corny at times especially the way the way it first starts like this, the, the narration the voiceover has kind of got this we were my crew and this is what we used to do and this is how we liked it and it was this like kind of overly sort of uh, obnoxious kind of voice that the guy put on but I kind of got used to it pretty easy and uh, and, and rolled into it and, and it was a good story it's obviously a great story there was there were bloody mental cases and I, what I really liked was it was nice and dirty and gritty it wasn't like uh, I mean Netflix don't give a fuck they'll air anything you know so it wasn't like made for TV type of um, look at their life whereas say Bohemian Rhapsody was criticised as being a little bit cleaned up uh, cleaned up a little bit too much this was down and dirty, the drugs and the sex, the rock and roll, everything. And I was also surprised to see Tommy Lee. It was bugging me the whole time I was watching it, going, who is Tommy Lee? I've seen this kid somewhere recently. I can't put my finger on it. Who is he? Who's the actor? And then it came to me about three-quarters of the way through. His bloody Machine Gun Kelly, the uh, rapper, white rapper from, um, I think he's from Philadelphia, who, um, who, um, yeah, had that battle with Eminem last year. That's who he was. He did a pretty good job. The kid can act. You know, he did he did a good job. He got the right frame and everything to re to um, represent Tommy Lee. So I'll pay that. He did a good job. And um, yeah, good, pretty good show. Worth a watch. And yeah, and what we started watching last night was uh, White Boy Rick. White Boy Rick is a brand new movie. Matthew McConaughey. He's sort of the only famous actor in it, which is you know. Good. I like a good movie without too many famous people in it. You can really get sold on the characters and things like that. So, um, yeah, White Boy Rick. It was. It's about some kid growing up in the 80s in Detroit. 
you know, things were rough. It's it's sort of, you know, pred prominent, predominantly black neighbourhood. He's a white kid. His dad's like a hillbilly type of character. He sells guns and they get caught up in uh, federal, uh, federal investigations and um, sort of murder investigations and gun trafficking and selling drugs and they kind of start selling drugs to make money for the family and all this kind of shit. And as you can imagine, trouble ensues. But a good show, good worth a watch. I fell asleep because I can't stay awake at night time especially once I've had a couple of beers or wines but I need to finish it off I've, I got probably three quarters of the way through good good movie I'll watch the rest of it tonight I think so I, I, I recommend White Boy Rick too and um, yeah while we're while we're at it um, I just wanted to quickly run over do a little band review on um, the Black Keys this episode when I recorded it last week was originally called Low High which is the new Black Keys uh, track and um, it's good to hear, man. That sort of eighteen years after their first, they first came on the scene, they've still got it, man. It's a good, good, solid song. I'll, I'll lead out of the podcast with it. Um, but um, yeah, so a little bit of background knowledge about about the Black Keys. They they formed in two thousand one, and for the first five years, they were self produced and recorded in the drummer's um, garage. They're a two piece. It's just a drummer, lead guitarist, and he sings as well. So they've got a really big sound for a two-piece, man, and that has developed over the years as things have gone along. Uh, they've added other sounds and elements, but they still are, are a two-piece, but when they tour, they'll, they will get a keyboardist and a bassist to come and fill their sound out, flesh it out, so it sounds more like it does on, on the album. Obviously, when you record things in the studio, you can record instruments at different times and lay them over the top of each other to, to flesh your sound out. So they tour with another couple of guys, but they are a two-piece, really. Um, yeah, 2008, I started working with Danger Mouse, who's the dude that did, um, who collabed with um, CeeLo for that uh, crazy song. I think I'm crazy, I think I'm crazy. How's that, mate? Did you guys hear? I'll fucking tell you what, mate. If I ever decide to fucking go into singing, I've got the falsetto down pat. Um, that's that. So that was CeeLo working with Danger Mouse. And, um, yeah, when you when you when you work with a when you work with a producer, like it's really like a co collab. Like it's you don't realize how much a producer brings to the table um, in in music. So a good producer like that, someone like that is like say working with a Rick Rubin. They really can change your sound. They can really change your sound and the way things are put together. So I'm a bit distracted right now. My wife just walked in the room with my daughter and she's making cute looks, uh, cute faces at me and giggling and stuff in the background, but. Yeah, it is really a collaboration when you get a, 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 one of the top-level producers to come and work with you. You know, they have different ways of recording things, putting the sound together. Um, they can get different... They can really get another, the next level out of a band. And that is what took Black Keys to the next level as well. You know, made them into household names and one of the biggest bands in the world. But they've stayed true to their style and their sound. So they really have that underground, um, bluesy rock feel that they always have. But they are one of the biggest bands in the world. And I like to sort of liken them to um, another two-piece from the same sort of Midwest um, part of the part of America, which would be the White Stripes, man. Another huge two-piece band with a big sound, a lot of big classics. Um, they're very, they are independent, but they they are obviously one of the biggest bands in the world and have stuck true to that experimental sort of um, underground sound that they've always been known for. I will do another podcast on the uh, White Stripes. Uh, later on down the track because there's a lot to say about those guys too man really really interesting band especially Jack White the man 
sort of the mastermind behind it. But um, yeah, Black Keys, man, one of the most influential and recognisable sounds this side of the 2000s. Um, I mean, great collabs. They've done a hip-hop album. They had a bunch of hip-hop artists sort of um, uh, doing lyrics over their music and, tr and, and tracks. Uh, they've had, like I said, a lot of huge commercial success with record deals, um, huge stadium shows. They've got, I think, uh, they've had uh, hundreds of licensed songs, well, not hundreds of songs, but they've got hundreds of licenses on their songs, so that that's so they they can use them for advertising and things like that, which makes big money, pulls big money in. So yeah, it's commercialized, but like I said, they've always kept that underground sound, man. Been around for a long time, doing the damn thing, seen them live, loved it. Um, yeah, just think that they're one of the most yeah, like I said, influential sort of bands this side of the two thousands, man. Um, anyone that says there's not good music around anymore, you're just not looking in the right places or looking hard enough because there's the fucking the Black Keys and the White Stripes out there and there's other bands too. Um, so yeah, I will go out. I'll go out with Low High and then um, I'll, I'll go out with a couple of songs of theirs because you can play bloody Black Keys songs for forever and a day. They really are quite prolific. They've got a lot of songs, man, and a lot of good tracks. But I'll just play a couple of songs on the... Um, on the outro here thanks for your time anybody that listened to that episode 34 that I, that I did record last week I apologise um, yeah I fucked up um, the sound quality was shite uh, yeah I'll be in Bali next week so there'll be a podcast coming from Bali I don't know what day it'll be on because I'll be on Bali time but I'll be fucking sitting around the pool drinking a bintang or a cocktail and I'll have my iPad there and I'll pump one out and send it back to you plebs over here slaving away in Australia. But anyway, thanks for your time. Thanks for following me. Please like and share, 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 share this podcast, share this page, help me build a community, get this thing going, get it off the ground. Sometimes you've got to think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing this for? Is anyone listening? Does anyone care? But man, it's all about the passion. It's about something I love, something I want to do. And anyone who's been successful at anything in life, man, especially something they built for their own, no one cares in the beginning. No one else believes in your dream. No one else believes in your goals. That's up to me to do that, man. One day I'm going to look back and say, yeah, there was times when I didn't know if anyone gave a fuck, if anyone was listening or what I was really doing it for. But I kept going because I loved it and I was passionate. And look what I built, man. And that's what I'm all about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. Um, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep pushing through, keep talking shit, keep trying to get people to listen to me, build up a community. And yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for your support. Share this shit. Help me build it up. And we're going to go out now on a couple of Black Keys songs. All right, take it easy. Episode number 34, That Golden Rule. Average Man Podcast. Peace.